Sony. The previous conservative government, everything was perfect, and what he is proposing to do is to make Canada great again. That is not what Canadians want. He is pining for a nostalgia that, quite frankly, Canadians do not feel. Hello, Canada. Today's date is February 11th, 2024. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues, in about an hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. So that clip you heard uh, right after our theme here opening the show was Justin Trudeau writing the Conservative Party of Canada's next campaign ad for the next election for them. And uh, I, I thought he did a really good job. Let's make Canada great again. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't I don't think it came off the way he was expecting um like because you know what he's trying to do he's trying to tie pierre polyev and the conservatives to the republicans and donald trump and uh because he's because he believes that everybody is so scared of donald trump that that they'll be scared of pierre polyev too well guess what it didn't work the way it came off was that pierre polyev wants to improve canada make it make it what it used to be and he doesn't and Canadians don't want that. Yeah, actually, Canadians do want that um, because. And you should. Did you see in the clip? If you watch the video, you will see one of his MPs behind him, cringing when he says it. Her face, her face just scrunches right up, and she go, and you can tell she's like, "Oh no, that wasn't good." Yeah, um, it wasn't good. You're right. That's exactly what he's doing, but. I love the way the, the, the clip is cut that he uh, just said, well, man, when the conservatives were in power before, everything was perfect, and he wants to bring Canada back to that. Yeah, uh, actually, that's what we do want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a tool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so a few housekeeping notes to take care of. Um, in our talk on 15-Minute Cities in Edmonton, listener Eric wrote in and said, well, hey, they want to try 15-Minute Cities? Let's uh, have Ottawa as a pilot city and see how that works out. My first thought, hey, I love the way you think, Eric. My After I reflected on it a bit, um, no, because in Ottawa, all of our political class live, work, and play right within a matter of blocks of Parliament Hill. So they would probably say, see, this works so well here. We don't have to go anywhere. So um, yeah. no, 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 let's not make Ottawa that pilot. <laughs> yeah, no, the whole 15-minute city thing, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a disaster uh, that's waiting to happen. And uh, and I think we talked about it last week enough to to really give people you know, an idea of why it would be. And Ottawa, it's already a disaster. We don't need to make it worse. <laughs> yes, that's true. So, <laughs> All right. And a couple more housekeeping notes. And a newer listener to the show, Nico, he is a millennial, um, quoting his email, a millennial stuck in the Montreal mud. I thought that's probably a pretty good way to put it, Nico. But I'm actually really happy that uh, that you wrote in because our audience is getting a bit younger. We seem to be attracting a few more millennials and and Gen Z, Gen Z sorry, types, and um, that's fantastic because it means that the younger generations are switching on. Yeah, and I mean you see that with uh, with a couple of other like pretty prominent Canadians, right? Where uh, you know Jordan Peterson, 
I mean, I went to when, when you and I both went to uh, our respective um, shows that he that he put on. Um, I was amazed at how many people were young. Uh, it was it was a, a, a quite a number. I thought my kids would be the only teenagers there, and there was tons of teenagers and young people. And I was really impressed. And then, I mean, you see it with Pierre Polyev and you go to his rallies. I mean, I went to one of his rallies here and it was, I was very surprised at how young a lot of the people in the crowd were. Um, And there were a number of teenagers who can't even vote who were there. Um, It was, it was really impressive uh, to see this. And and it was, it made me, uh, you know, quite, quite happy to see that this was happening now. And um, because I mean, it really shows that that Trudeau has abandoned his own, his own base. Right. Um, because those young people are generally, uh, left left-wing voters because young people are idealistic. Right. And, uh, and the policies that the liberals and the NDP have are quite idealistic policies. And so, uh, for them to lose that just shows you how out of touch he is. And yeah. how out of touch Jagmeet Singh is. Well, and and the fact that he's, you know, the biggest moron in Canadian politics. But Yes. Oh, and we'll be talking about him later on, too. But <laughs> yeah, it is encouraging because you're right. It was the millennials largely that uh, helped Justin Trudeau in 2015. And now they're here almost nine years later saying, um, yeah, nothing you said has actually come true for us. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go try Team Blue. I'm not okay only is it not only has it not come true, it's the opposite has happened. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, one more piece of housekeeping. Well, actually, it's two, actually. Um, listener Jackie actually sent us a meme, which we'll share up on our Facebook page a little later on. I thought it was quite amusing. It was actually a picture of Joe Exotic. If uh, those of you who watched, was it Tiger King? Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what on- it was called. Yeah, so the show on Netflix, which my wife and I actually got a real kick out of. Joe Exotic is quite a character. But anyway, so the meme just said, I cannot believe it's approaching three years since our lives were Joe Exotic, banana bread, and fist fights over toilet rolls. And I just can't quite process that was ever a real period in my life. Well, as you pointed out, Lewis, when I was when I showed it to you, it's okay, it's approaching four years now. But yep, that yeah. was a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, it's and like, because we talked about it last week when we talked about the Senate bill to have a uh, a day of what a day of observance or whatever for the uh, for the observance. the pandemic, yeah, pandemic observance day. And it's like nobody wants to remember this. Like it was this is a dark period that not like a dark period like the Holocaust, a dark period like we just want to forget about this because it was horrible and awful and nobody and every single person was miserable and, and, and isolated from their family and couldn't go to funerals and all that kind of, uh, you know, all that kind of BS. Right. And people just want to forget about it and move on now. And hopefully we learn something from it. But I mean, unless this observance day is going to focus on how the government lied to us, how they forced us to take a vaccine that most people didn't want, even want, uh, how they, you know, I mean, we're finding out more and more all the time. I mean, Anthony Fauci is admitting to stuff was just completely made up like the six foot social distancing, uh, the, you know, he, he even admits now 
that when he first said that masks didn't work, he was telling the truth and you know, that masks didn't, they didn't work. And that, that the six foot distancing was a completely made up thing. They just picked it out of thin air. And he admitted that recently, like go read the book, the real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy jr. I mean, if, and, and, and I'll, and I'll say exactly what Joe Rogan says on this. And that is, if it's not true, why is he not being sued for it? Because that book will scare the living hell out of you. Yeah. No, good point. Okay. So last bit of housekeeping and it's a sad bit of housekeeping. The Edmonton Oilers streak ended at 16 straight wins. They uh, fell one short of tying the record from the Penguins. And, um, well, I was worried that the All-Star game was going to throw them off their game, but I can't even blame that because they just ran into a goaltender that stood in his head. But the Oilers decided, well, since we lost this one, let's just lose a couple more. <laughs> well, they only lost one more. They won the game in between. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, they lost They lost 4 nothing. They lost 4 nothing last night to LA, and that was not a good game, but they did win the game before it. So, uh, But the thing is, is uh, hey, 16 wins in a row only matters in the playoffs. And because uh, 16 wins in a row will win you the cup, right? So, uh, you know, go Oilers. I, I'm, I'm like, I, I mean, our our listeners, our regular listeners, know I've been an Oilers fan since I was a little kid because when I was growing up, Gretzky was playing, and he was, he was my favorite player. So uh, I'm, I've always been an Oilers fan, always will be. Yeah, no, it was a good run. So it was great to to watch it, and uh, hell, they're still an exciting team. So. That oh. they are. All right. So on the show today, Bellwether Bell Media, Justice for Jody, Angus the Anus, Sing Grows a Spine, Justin did not see a problem with that, and more. Where do you want to start, sir? Oh, let's just, I'm sorry. I just, Angus is an anus. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Let's start with uh, uh, Jody Gondi, uh, Gondek out of Calgary. Yes, so Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek, who's member of Lewis, please refresh listeners. What was Jody Gondek's very first act upon being sworn in as mayor of Calgary? The very first act, and we, and I mean the very first act, because it was basically the very first thing that came out of her mouth after after the uh, being sworn in, was she declared a state of emergency for the city of Calgary for uh, climate change, and <laughs> which was something she never even ran on, never mentioned in her campaign, nothing. Yet it's the very first thing out of her mouth. Uh, so, and, and ever since then, she's just had a, a series of missteps and a series of, of, uh, you know, foot and mouth disease. And, uh, she's, um, she's not very popular in Calgary right now. No, she, uh, well, allegedly I wasn't, I mean, I don't obviously don't live in Calgary, but what I'd heard was that she had campaigned more of on a right of center campaign. And then once soon as being sworn in yeah, day one, the climate emergency is declared and she has just been a very very left-wing mayor even uh, more left-wing than Nahid Nenshi which if that's even possible so uh, with her 30 percent uh, approval rating that was the most recent poll I had noticed she's uh, actually now facing a recall campaign and now Alberta had amended its um, its municipalities act I which I believe took effect in 2022 the, the changes so that there was a, a recall option but 
oh boy, does this uh, local gentleman who has started the recall petition ever have a hill to climb. Now, this gentleman owns a local HVAC company in Calgary, and he's decided, he even admitted he he really just wants to see if this legis- you know, if this recall process will work. Well, I don't want to be, give you any spoiler alerts, but it won't. And um, here's why, sir. So he uh, he had to put down five hundred bucks to uh, to start the petition for the recall, and he has done that. But he has to collect and physically collect the physical signatures. So digital signatures will not do it. He needs to collect the signatures of forty percent of Calgary's total population in 2019. That is 514,000 signatures that he has to collect in 60 days. And he has a team of about 100 volunteers, apparently. So great, but you're going to need a few thousand volunteers, each collecting, well, probably a thousand signatures a day in order to make this happen. So, well, good luck, sir. Yeah, not going to happen. I mean... That might be possible somewhere like Toronto, where there's 7 million people. But Calgary is 1.3 million, I believe. And uh, trying to collect 500,000 signatures, I mean, that's more people than voted in in the campaign that got her elected. You know, I mean, this is, this is wholly unachievable. Or unachievable. Sorry, I forgot a syllable. Uh, <laughs> completely unachievable. Uh, she's, um, she's just, she, she's there. There is no danger of her being removed from office. Just none. It's 500,000 signatures is not possible. No, exactly. It's uh, I get that you need to have a high bar because if this petition is successful, then she's removed from the mayor's office. She's no longer city councilor. I mean, it's, there's now a vacancy for mayor. Uh, so, I mean, I get, you need to have a high bar, but this is way too high. I mean, you've got to make it something that's actually achievable. Like I know that no no politician ever wins with over 50% of the vote. So if you if you just set it simply at, you know, 30% of of people who voted last time around, well, no, because you'll always have your opposition trying to recall you. But I mean, that bar is just way too high. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, right, you can't have it too achievable or else every single mayor will be recalled. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you do have to make it so that, you know, it's at least possible. Yeah. That, that's actually a good way to put it. Cause this is not, I mean, yeah. And you, and you, you nailed it when you said that they literally need more signatures than people actually voted in the last Calgary election. So yeah, you might not like your mayor, but good luck. All right. So um, here's a clip you sent my way that of uh, our good friend, Justin Trudeau, talking about a recent decision by Bell Media that they have to trim the workforce a bit. They're cutting 4,800 jobs, which is 9% of their their total workforce. Um, you had said that with W5, uh, the news show is being cancelled. And, well, Justin Trudeau wasn't very happy about that. So just, uh, just check out this clip here. I'm furious. This is a garbage decision by a corporation that should know better. We've seen over the past years, journalistic outlets, radio stations, small community newspapers, bought up by corporate entities who then 
lay off journalists, you know, change the offering, the quality of offering to people. And then when people don't watch as much or engage as much, the corporate entity says, oh, see, they're not profitable anymore. We're going to sell them off. This is the erosion, not just of journalism, of quality local journalism, at a time where people need it more than ever, given misinformation and disinformation. But it's eroding our very democracy. So, yeah, I'm pretty pissed off about what's just happened. Ooh, he's pretty pissed off. Yeah, actually, this is the most genuine I've ever heard Justin Trudeau. Like, it actually sounds very genuine that he's actually quite upset. And, uh, but even if he is genuine, which I doubt, I'm, I, I, I am saying that he sounds as genuine as he's ever sounded. That doesn't mean that he's actually genuine. Um, but he's this, he's completely out of line. I mean, who the hell is a prime minister to tell a, a, a business that they have to keep doing something that's losing the money. Like no prime minister, no political leader, no mayor, no prime, uh, premier has the right to tell a company that they have to keep doing something that's losing money. And and for him to think that he has the the business acumen to to tell a successful corporation like Bell that that their decision is garbage. I'm sorry, Justin, but you're a piece of garbage. I mean, th and this, this kind of proves it. I mean, yes, I do agree with him that corporations like news corporations are hurting, uh, you know, democracy in this country. Yeah, I do agree with that. And they're doing it in the States too. And they're doing it not by canceling local newspapers, but they're doing it by carrying the government's water. They're doing it by parroting the government's narrative without any kind of, uh, you know, investigative journalism or any kind of thought at all. It's just whatever the government says, we'll just put it in our in our in our papers or in our on our websites or in our newscasts. There's no no uh, no critical thinking, no counter opinions. It's just let's just parrot what they're saying. And we'll get that money. And and the so yes, I agree with him. Corporation the corporate news is eroding uh, uh, the the the, uh, the the fabric of the country in terms of of you know elections and uh, and, and their uh, and the ability for certain political parties to get their messages out. I mean, this is a decision that was made decades ago that, that the corporate news was going to do and say whatever it was that the Liberal Party wanted. I mean, they, they, they've, no, matter, no matter who's in power, they always parrot the Liberal Party. They don't even, they don't even try to uh, play nice with the Conservatives. So, yes, you're right, Justin, just not the way that you think. You know, Justin, it's, it's, you're, you're the biggest problem in this country right now. JT, you're, he's the biggest problem in this country right now. He, he is, he's the one who's actually, you know, eroding 
our our fabric as a country faster than anybody. The media is just helping him do it. But he is like front and center of this problem. And I just, I just can't. I mean, so when he makes statements like this, it just makes me so angry. I mean, I, I'm sure you can't tell, um, but <laughs> like, it's, it's just so maddening because he's so unaware of his own role in everything that he's complaining about. And it's, it's just stupefying that this guy is the leader of our country. Just unbelievably stupefying. Well, tell us how you really feel, Lewis. I mean, uh, you're going okay. kind of soft on him. Okay. I'll, I won't hold back now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's, he's just an idiot and he thinks he's more important than he is in terms of, of his opinion on business. I mean, that's, that's the worst part is like, I, I would be just losing my mind if a, if a, if an elected official tried to tell me what I had to do with my business in terms of the services I provide. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. He's, well, he's off base and it's kind of hilarious for the, he's, he's been paying them. I mean, at that one, um, what it was a parliamentary press gallery gala where he had tried to make a joke that of course we're getting good coverage because we're paying them for it. And yeah, yeah. Um, we are paying for them for that coverage because they're getting a big taxpayer payer bailout. There's my concern is now suddenly the bailout or the taxpayer subsidy, let's just call it what it is. The, the taxpayer subsidy for these big media companies suddenly going to increase. Well, I sure as hell hope not. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's, it's, unbelievable uh that they were even able to um you know pay the media off in the first place i mean that that should have been a a uh a court challenged um i don't even know it wasn't even a bill was it or was it a bill I'm not even sure. I mean, I, okay, I know they're getting it, but yeah, it's it's like a, a subsidy in the in that's actually in our budget every year uh, to give tens of millions of dollars to the media companies in this country so that they don't go bankrupt. Well, you know what? Maybe if they started doing their job, they wouldn't go bankrupt. I mean, nobody trusts them anymore, and that's 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 the problem i mean yeah the corporate media is a big part of the problem in this country along with justin trudeau in terms of the the fabric of our nation being torn apart and and the 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 media does not uh they don't see it and neither does justin by the way he doesn't see his own role in tearing this country apart i mean we're at each other's throats in this country not just across provincial lines or or uh, whatever, but I mean, we're, we're at each other's throats over gender issues, over, uh, over racial issues, over, um, e you know, economic issues o over provincial borders, o over illegal, illegal immigrants. Uh, you know, everybody hates each other because they have a different opinion than each other. And that's all fomented by the media and by our politicians. And so they're actually tearing this country apart and it seems like they're doing it on purpose and it really really pisses me off so yeah justin i'm pissed off
there you go. So, um, well, another reason for you to get a little pissed off is we, is Canada was outraged at what an international laughingstock we became when, well, Anthony Rota, then Speaker of the House, invited an actual Nazi to the House of Commons to celebrate Ukrainian pre President Vladimir Zelensky's visit to Parliament. And, well, everybody stood up and applauded uh well uh yeah, ukrainian war hero who fought against the russians in world war ii for ukrainian independence oh wait that meant he was a nazi <laughs> oops yeah well as it turns out uh mr hunka yaroslav hunka the the 98 year old nazi war veteran was also sent three weeks prior to this date in ottawa by the way was sent a personal invitation from the Prime Minister's office, the office of Justin Trudeau, Right Honourable Prime Minister of Canada, to attend, well, it was actually an exclusive um, parliamentary reception in, uh, in Toronto this very same night to, well, to continue to celebrate Ukrainian, Ukraine's fight for independence. Oops! So, Wait, um, I, I thought that... I thought they said that it was all on the speaker, that the speaker was the one who invited him and the prime minister's office had no knowledge of it. They knew nothing about it. It was all on the, on the speaker and the speaker should resign for, for such poor judgment. Okay, wait, wait a minute. So if the speaker should have resigned for inviting an actual Nazi to the House of Commons, shouldn't then the person in charge of the prime minister's office have to resign for the prime minister's office inviting that very same Nazi to come to a reception in Toronto? Well, you would think so. I, I would think that the, you know, the responsibility is his, you know, the, the buck stops with the prime minister and, you know, the prime minister to, is going to take full responsibility. Oh, wait. Yeah. I just love how they, they just throw everyone else under the bus. I mean, this is the hallmark of this prime minister. Every time something happens, he throws someone else under the bus. Yeah. And of course it's, I'm sure that he will spin this as a learning opportunity for all Canadians to make certain that you watch out for actual Nazis when you, you think they're just Ukrainian freedom fighters. Yes, exactly. This is a learning opportunity for all Canadians. You're right. It is. It's a learning opportunity for Canadians to realize that our prime ministers of I was about to say a really bad word there uh, <laughs> that he's an effing fool and has no business being in the government uh, at the head of the government. Yeah. Well, and that is absolutely correct. So, well, and another reason he might not want to be the head of government, well, as we should not want him to be in the head of government, the arrive can app. Holy crap. You know, in, Earlier times, I'm thinking when there would be a conservative leader in the prime minister's office, this would be a scandal that the media would not let go of, <clears throat> Mike Duffy, until there was an election in which that government lost. But for some reason, it doesn't seem to be as big a deal. But we're here for you, Canada. The Arrive Can app was actually supposed to be, its initial budgeted cost was $80,000. Well... As it turns out, the Arrive Can app costs $54 million of your taxpayer dollars. And as it turns out, well, Lewis, you pointed out that it is 76% of Arrive Can subcontractors, quote, did not perform 
any work. Wow. Sounds like a government office. Yeah, well, and this this report comes right from the <laughs> Office of the Procurement Ombudsman. And, well, they've actually, well, I guess they have to tell it like it is. So he said, yep, and uh, 76% of contractors did not perform any work. And I'm just flipping through the, his report here right now. And it says, it doesn't necessarily mean that the that the corp the arrive can contracts were handed out to companies that didn't do anything it just means the contractors overstated the number of workers that they would need in order to get this done and i like the way they they word this here that it was the company gc strategies who was the main contractor to develop this app and it just says they they wrote the bidding process that was so specific that gc strategies was basically the only company in canada that would have qualified now GC Strategies, when you drill down, was two guys who lived in uh, suburban Ottawa who just, I guess, happened to have the right connections and happened to work for the right government departments in the past that they got a nice, juicy $54 million payout for uh, an $80,000 app. We should also point out that there was a company in Toronto at that time, who just for fun decided to develop a similar app to ArriveCan just to see if they could do it. And they did it over a weekend. And that was just a private Toronto company that said, yeah, let's just see if we can do it. Well, Lewis, yeah. you've had some experience with that app. How, how'd that work out for you? Oh, well, the ArriveCan app itself was, was if you want to use Justin Trudeau's words, was garbage uh it was i mean it was absolutely garbage it took me three days to upload the documents that i needed to upload into it because they uh uh because the, after every single after each individual document the app would crash and so i would have actually I, I actually had no idea if the document actually loaded or not until i opened the app again uh to and loaded the app up all over again to make sure that things were uploaded it took three days because it was it would take like 45 minutes for a document to upload it was the it's the worst app i've ever seen um and it was completely pointless you could just print out these documents and take them with you to the airport there's there's no reason there was no reason for this app I mean, the, all those, uh, like our vaccine uh, passports all had uh, QR codes on them that if scanned would tell them if the information that was printed out on that sheet of paper was real or not. So what was the point? What was the point of this app when all you had to do is print stuff out and take it in with you? And I mean, the ArriveCan app is still being used apparently. Like you can still use it if you want. And it's for clearing customs faster. Well, I mean, I flew in when I was in Belize in November, when I came back through Calgary, it, the, the, uh, the, the customs process is all automated. Anyway, you go to a kiosk, you scan your passport, you check a couple of boxes and print out a piece of paper, which you hand to an, uh, an officer on your way out of the secure area. And it, it was really fast. 
So why would I spend, you know, three days uploading documents if I don't need to? I mean, it, it was a joke. It was an absolute joke. And from what we heard, the this app that was developed in one weekend by that firm in Toronto was that it actually worked. So like the government <laughs> could have just bought that one and used it. But again, it was an app that was pointless. It was, it was, it was kind of a, a whole boondoggle to use a term from the nineties. It certainly was, but had they purchased that app from that company in Toronto, they couldn't have spread out all that government pork. Um, just going further through the ombudsman's report here, about 41% of ArriveCan contracts had not been properly advertised before being awarded. Of those 41 total contracts, 17 were never even posted to the open government website, as is required to do when it's a government tender. And even the bids that were posted online contained what the ombudsman described as challenges. 16, for instance, did not even properly include the contract number. So uh, this was definitely designed for one company to, well, profit, well, an awful lot off of you and I, the taxpayer, Canada. Yeah. And I have nothing to add to that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's, uh, I mean, the, the corruption, we and we talk about corruption with this government all the time, and it's just, I hate seeing it more and more and more. And this Arrive Can thing should be a major scandal, but instead it's been swept under the rug as we talked about in the last segment because of media bailouts, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's probably the first government I've ever seen that is, it doesn't even try to hide their corruption. Like right? it's all out in the open. They don't even care if you see it. No, that's, that's a hundred percent correct. And it's, it's sad is what it is. So so let's talk about, uh, well, some more members of our government. Charlie Angus, who um, I actually think he might be going insane, to be perfectly honest. He used to actually say some things that would make sense. And then he brought out private bill, private members bill C-372. Now, private members bill, especially when you're in opposition, have next to zero chance of ever becoming law. It does happen on occasion. But... This one is absolutely insane. So what this bill is from Charlie Angus is, uh, let's just bring this up here. It is a law that will, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go to the wrong, wrong screen here. Let's go to that one. Okay, so an act respecting fossil fuel advertising. So this is a quick summary. The enact this is right from the Government of Canada website, by the way, from Parliament. This enactment enacts the Fossil Fuel Advertising Act to prohibit the promotion of fossil fuels except in accordance within the provisions of this act. All a bunch of legalese, meaning you cannot advertise for any fossil fuel product, period. Yeah, basically it's going to become, you know, like what they did with cigarettes, where you can't advertise tobacco products on TV or in in Canadian publications or anything like that. Um, and, and I mean, they're trying to pass it off as uh, they're trying to eliminate the misinformation and um, uh, false facts from 
oil advertising. Uh, but that's already a law in Canada. You can't, you can't give false information in an ad. Yeah. So, so, so further from the bill, he, um, and that's what it is. You, you can't dare promote that fossil fuels could possibly be good. So it is prohibited for a person to promote a fossil fuel or the production of a fossil fuel. A, in a manner that states or suggests the fossil fuel, its production, or its emissions are less harmful than other fossil fuels, their production, or their emissions. B, in a manner that states or suggests that a fossil fuel or the practices of a producer of the fossil fuel industry would lead to positive outcomes in relation to the environment, the health of Canadians, flag it, reconciliation with Indigenous peoples, or the Canadian or global economy, and others. So, whoa, if you dare say the fossil fuel industry has been good for First Nations people, being the largest employer of First Nations people, by the way, that will be against the law and you could face a fine or even jail time. Yeah, it also says that you can't you can't say that there's uh, that one fossil fuel is is better than another fossil fuel. Um Except that it's true, <clears throat> um, coal is pretty flipping dirty uh, in any, there's no such thing as clean burning coal, by the way, that's, that is a, that is a uh, falsehood, but coal is pretty dirty, but natural gas is, is exceptionally clean. Like it's one of the cleanest forms of energy we have. Yet they're trying to ban that right now because it's dirty, but it's, it's more, so, so it'll be illegal to advertise that, that natural gas is better than, uh, than, than coal. Right. And that's ridiculous. The other thing is, is that you're not allowed to advertise that oil sands companies are reclaiming the land and there's now trees and grass and forests where there wasn't before because the the ground was contaminated with with uh with bitumen and now that that bitumen's been removed that land has been reclaimed and now there's trees and bushes and grass growing in places that there wasn't in the past and you're not allowed to say that under this law like this would be illegal to say which and it's so it's not just advertising it's actually it says that even individuals are not allowed to promote these things. Which means that if Tony and I are on this show saying exactly what we're saying right this moment, if someone reports us, we could be investigated and jailed over it. Yeah. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Look, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I was really radical. I remember a few years ago speaking with uh, an eco-activist and I referred to the oil sands as the world's largest natural oil spill and Albertans have dedicated their lives to cleaning it up. So I would, I would definitely be jailed for saying something like that. Well, not to mention, I mean, there is, uh, you know, bitumen that leaks directly into like the Athabasca river. Right. Um, and that's natural. That is not something that's caused by oil sands production. That it was there prior and there's stories um from first nations groups in the area from hundreds of years ago of the water being poisoned right that they couldn't drink it 
and because it was contaminated by something and it was that oil that was leaking into the into the river so it's always been doing that and if anything what they're doing is they're cleaning this up and making it better right um the I have to say, I mean, Charlie Angus, I've always had a, a modicum of respect for Charlie Angus. I've always liked him. He's, he's, he's always been like the most level-headed NDP in the country. Um, but this, I, I don't even know what to say. It's like, what happened to the old Charlie Angus? Like this is, this is a Charlie Angus we've never seen before. And he's, he's kind of gone off the deep end here. Oh, he totally has. Yeah, it's it, it's nuts. And I, uh, I'd i love to know what people like Robbie Picard think of that, for example. Robbie Picard, by the way, is a, runs a, comp- or a, a site called Oil Sands Strong. It's basically an advocacy group for the oil industry. Oh, Robbie Picard, by the way, is indigenous and, and, and openly gay. I'm not sure why that actually matters, but that is something that keeps being advertised about him, too. And uh, he would probably i guess have to go to jail too because he loves the oil sands and he proudly wears his i love canadian oil and gas hoodies everywhere in fact he sells them so uh yeah i also don't know what's going on with charlie angus but i also don't know what's going on with charlie angus's party leader jagmeet singh suddenly now he's pretending to be a tough guy and has told justin trudeau and this was quote unquote a very tough meeting where he told Justin Trudeau, you have to have pharmacare legislation tabled in Parliament by March 1st, or, quote, there will be repercussions. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and those repercussions is, have been said to be uh, dissolving of the, like their their agreement, right? Their uh, confidence and supply their agreement. Co- yeah, yeah, their confidence and supply agreement that, that they're going to dissolve it. Well, that would be just in time for the budget. And uh, that would be just in time for an election in what month? Well, I guess that would have to happen in May if uh, all the timing worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when did uh, this little podcast from Western Canada predict that the next election would be? I believe these guys were talking about an election in in May. Yeah, and that was back last fall that we said that. And it was and it was all because I heard a little birdie landed on my shoulder and told me that Elections Canada workers have been told to be ready for a May election. And that was, I believe, back in November of last year. And and we uh, we said that on our show back then. So um, it seems a little too fabricated to me if they're being if they were told back then to be ready for a May election. Um, so you know, uh, the longer I do this show, the more I feel like conspiracies are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, except that it turns out that often what people call conspiracies are spoiler alerts because we end up being right so many times. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so much of what we've said in the past four years has has uh, turned out to be true. Yeah, exactly. So, so one more notable Jagmeet Singh before we move on to our last topic of the day, and it'll be a pretty pretty short one. Um, 
Jagmeet Singh is still railing against grocery retailers. And Francois-Philippe Champagne, who's the liberal uh, industry minister, I believe that's what his title is, is come to the point where he's calling grocery distributors from other countries saying, hey, do you want to set up in Canada? We need some competition. And Jagmeet Singh, of all the things, called Giant Tiger, quote, corporate grocery. And I laughed out loud. It's a giant tiger, really? I mean, yes, they were part of the uh, bread-fixing scandal a few years back, but Giant Tiger is really not the Sobeys of the world. Giant Tiger is that cool little boutique place where you get some pretty cool clothes and some, some cheap grocery items. So um, you're missing yeah, the mark a, there, Singh. They're a discount store. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I find it funny that the federal government and the and the NDP are using Giant Tiger. I mean, you, we know why they're trying to use Giant Tiger as a boogeyman because uh, conservative MP Scott Reed is on the board of, of directors for Giant Tiger. And the reason he's on the board of directors for Giant Tiger is because his father founded the company. And his role with the company has always been disclosed. It is, he, he disclosed it right from day one. This is not like Jagmeet Singh, uh, where he said that, uh, Scott Reed's been exposed as, as being tied to a grocery chain. Um, he's, he, it's always been publicly public knowledge and publicly dis disclosed so that he would refrain from voting on bills that affected it. Uh, uh, any conflict of interest would be known right away and he would just keep himself out of a conflict of interest. And he has, he has removed himself from voting on, on anything to do with uh, that would affect that business. So he's done things right. You know, he's done things the way Justin Trudeau should have done things from day one. Um, but, uh, but they're using giant tiger and they're using law laws as their boogeyman. When law laws owns the grocery chain in this country with the absolute lowest prices in the country, yeah. <laughs> they own superstore, they own extra foods. Uh, and those, and those two chains have the lowest prices prices for groceries in the country, but yet Galen Weston is their boogeyman. And yep. I don't understand this, this, uh, th this thing. I mean, why not talk about Jim Pattison or why not talk about Sobeys? Why not talk about, you know, uh, Safeway? Why not talk about the, I mean, Sobeys is own Safeway, but why not talk about these chains where their prices are? If you go into say in BC here, if you go into say a Nestor's, which is owned by uh, Save On Foods, which is owned by Jim Pattison, uh, Nestor's prices on some items can be as much as two and a half times higher than they are in Superstore. So why is Superstore the bad guy? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right? And Giant Tiger is along those lines of Superstore. They have... You know they're like a, a mini Walmart almost. They, they have they have clothing. They have, uh, you know, uh, they have uh, groceries, and I believe they even have like a toy section. So I mean, and it's 
it's like the, 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 they're the discount store. Why would you pick on the discount store? They're the ones trying to give lower prices. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so one more topic we'll wrap the show up on, and that is Snowva Scotia. Holy crap, 100 centimeters of snow in the in a recent storm ended up shutting the province down, of course. And you made the point when we were talking about it that, yeah, um, might be a bit of a problem running their heat pumps when they're buried in snow and their solar panels are buried in 100 centimeters of snow. Uh, might want to rethink that decision, Mr. Trudeau. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that was... When I saw all those, all that snow in the snow drifts, I'm like, oh, there's going to be uh, a lot of heat pumps underneath those snow drifts that can't operate when they're covered in snow. Uh, they need airflow and, uh, and solar panels are going to be buried. So am I missing something here? Like, I, I, I don't know how these things are supposed to operate and work in conditions like that, but yep it's just one more example of we live in canada these things are not practical like uh clue in jt they're not ready for prime time no they just aren't yeah so uh we're gonna wrap it up on that one canada we do want to thank you for joining us today and until next weekend it is tony in saskatchewan and lewis out here in bc uh before we go i just wanted to say that uh we want to thank all our new listeners um, because there is a lot of new listeners to the show. And our last show is already, was it our last show or the one before that? One before that. Okay. So two shows ago is already our second highest uh, listened to episode in the six years that we've been, uh, we've been doing this and that, that just, uh, it caught us off off guard because usually it takes, um, you know, several weeks, several or even a month for an episode to get highly ranked in uh, in terms of listens. Um, but this one in a matter of like 10 days is already the second highest uh, rated show that we've ever done. So we want to really thank all our listeners for passing it on to your friends and family and uh, and for and for getting more listeners for us. We we really really appreciate it so thank you very much yep absolutely thank you and until next week well good night canada good night this is canadian common sense with lewis and tony